After just about 70 episodes, around two years, it's time to say goodbye to the Brisbane Football Review Cooper Studio. That's right, folks, it's the end of an era as James Scott and Adam gather in my lounge slash dining area for what we think might be the last time. Adam, how are you? I'm good. How are you, James Scott and the listeners? I'm dreading manual labour right now, packing up this place to move house on the weekend. Scott? I might be a little bit busy on the weekend, sorry. Ah, but no, it's a bit, bit of a nostalgia trip. Last episode here, it's... Yeah. And I think it was around about this time two years ago, late February, March-ish, that we uh, first started recording here. So, yeah, last last recording session with a view. If you've uh, seen a couple of the photos we've posted on our Facebook page, it's uh, yeah one we're going to miss, I think. Yes, and the clouds decide to ruin it one final time. Of course, <laughs> it wouldn't be that way. But, anyway, we're not here to talk about me moving house. We're here to talk about the Brisbane Raw for the DFS Fan Network. Uh, contacts, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com if you want to send in uh, any emails, uh, questions, comments, heckling. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, then uh, Facebook is the Raw Review. We're still trying to change that to Brisbane Football Review. It's a long story. Twitter, at BNE Football. And our podcast, if you want to leave us a rating, I don't think I begged for one of those for a couple of months. Uh, it's available on Wooshka and iTunes. There are two primary ones. And we've also got Spotify, which is also quite good, I've been told by people with Androids. Um, what else? Uh, Radio Public. All, all good and other yeah. podcasting outlets it's available on. That's much more succinct. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get on to talking about Friday night's wild clash down at Gosford? Thank God we've got something positive to talk about for a change. <laughs> yeah, we've actually got a win to talk about, so this might be our longest segment one yet, even longer than the Socceroos. <laughs> you talk about that one, they win two weeks ago against Sydney. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Lovely. Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I finally can talk about win. <laughs> yes, that's right. It was five three to the Raw down in Gosford on Friday night. Now, I had to watch this game actually on delay, but I was getting uh, texts at the Queensland Power Chair Football Trivia Night where I got to speak with John McCain. Really nice guy, by the way. Um, Name drop. Of course. <laughs> what, else, what less would you expect from me? True. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was getting texts uh, just again and again thinking, something's got to be wrong. Like, someone's got to be playing a joke on me here, but as it turns out, the Raw, well, what a win. 5-3, double from Alex Lopez, Eric Bortiak, Tobias Mickelson, Dylan Wenzel-Halls on the score sheet for the Raw. Uh, Connor Payne, uh, not Brandon O'Neill. I don't know why I keep going to call him that. Oh, I think uh, he wishes Brandon O'Neill at the moment. Yes, that's right. And, and Jordan Murray uh, got a consolation goal for the Mariners as well. Uh, Eric Bortiak, goal of the season to start things off? Yeah, well, it's, uh, you might have been rehearsing that one for a while, but that was just, um, yeah, well... What can you say about that first goal? It's just uh, simply stunning. And uh... just trying to think back to the Melbourne's heart player a couple of years ago in Perth who had the overhead. Alex Terra. They, that's Alex Terra. It's very, very similar. But I guess I actually think Lopez's goal is better, just for sheer technique. Well, the fact that he had to control it off his chest with a cross that wasn't yeah. exactly like it was a good cross from Dylan Mansell Halls, but it was also. Yeah. Like, you had to control it to the point where, I think if that bounced off my chest, I would have just gone, ow, let alone try to bicycle kick. 
If I tried that, it would have ended up down near the halfway line, to be fair, so... I would have stuffed my other hamstring. <laughs> yes. Yeah, look, I, look it's, it's, it's a bit of a you know, contention what was the goal of the week. It was between the first two goals on Friday night, and yeah, look, it, it's a hard one. I actually, yeah, I actually side with... Um, I know uh, that there's a bit of conjecture on... Um, on what's the show shootout on on Sunday night about I know Archie Thompson picked that as the as his sort of you know the the Archibald Prize or whatever it was, and um, yeah I think from the sheer technique and control I thought Alex Lopez's one was you know you know was probably just slightly the better goal I thought you know but you know you'd be it's glad something to we've him. all probably tried a few a few hundred times in training or in games when we've played and FIFA. you rarely hit them that well at all I mean that's that's about as well as you're ever going to hit a striker ball. It was absolutely perfect. I mean, to me, it's a tougher goal. I know Bochak's goal's more acrobatic, but to me, Lopez is just better. Yeah, fair enough. I, th- I think you can't really yeah. go wrong yeah. with either one of those. Oh, but... look, I'll take, I'll take both the heartbeat. Let's <laughs> put it that way. We're, we're talking about the, you know, you know, better or best. Of course, if there's anyone from the MLS listening, uh, that was completely an aberration from Eric Bortiak, <laughs> and he's definitely not, not worth signing. I think you should let the Raw keep him. <laughs> Just, just throwing it out there, because I did also see uh, Simon Hill mentioned in commentary that uh, Eric Boitiak had been linked to a move to the MLS, so... Ooh. Yeah. Now, that's, of course, about third-hand information by the time it got to me, so take yep. that for what it's worth. Yep. Um, yeah, what a... I, I'm still just trying to work out exactly how to sum up how good that was. Oh, I think I think in a way I think uh, maybe the penny sort of dropped uh, with with the raw that that simply that yeah they're playing with a bit more freedom. I actually I actually think it's got a lot to do with perhaps you know with Adam Taggart leaving where you know and we said it even in our in our previews where you know it seems as though that the raw's attack under Jonah Lewis was centered around Adam Taggart with him gone no notable you know number nine. I think it's almost like, you know, the boy the boys just playing with freedom and it's just like, you know, Bordiak's scoring, Alex Lopez is scoring, you know, Dylan Wenzel Hall's getting the score sheet. You know, it's it seems as though that, you know, all of a sudden the reliance on the, the main striker is gone, therefore they have to fend for themselves a bit of freedom and you know, well you know, five goals. Mind you you gotta remember the opposition's not exactly crash hot at the moment either. Yeah, well, it does kind of remind me of that scene from The Simpsons where Grandpa Simpson and I think it's Jasper have his beard stuck in the thing going, you know, turning the pencil <laughs> yeah. sharpener, turning the pencil sharpener. Uh, you're on your own. And that's Adam Taggart leaving Brisbane. <laughs> now that you've dropped an excellent Simpsons reference, the front four did click extremely well with Mickelson, Enrique, Wenzel Halls and Bochak. It was the combination and the fluidity in that front four is actually something we haven't seen a lot of this year. Just on the Toby Mickelson, you know, he is really, you know... <laughs> the last you know, month or so, you know, he's just you know, he's a different player. So yeah, it's that, it started with that draw against uh, the Wanderers a couple of, well, would have been about four weeks ago now, and it just yeah. seems like something's fine, like the yeah. light bulb's finally gone on. And I think, you know, a month ago we were all saying, you know, yeah. Mickelson getting subbed on yeah. was like leaving the raw with ten players, but boy, something's really gone. It's three goals in five weeks yeah. from him. This was I think this was his first start or second start for. a quite a long time and again they, he was an important part in that front third really pushing forward on the counter-attack in transition I, I, that front four to me it's the best they've played all season I know it's Central Coast and you can't put too much stock in it but that is the best they've combined this year but I suppose the other like point of that is how many teams have put five past Central Coast this year like we know that they're crap but like I know they are you're right it's not like it was even it's not like it was necessarily nah, it's not like it was 
something that you could really be too upset about, I suppose. Yeah, look, we're probably a little bit, been a little bit harsh on Central Coast. Like they, they did, you know, earn a draw against um, against Sydney the week before. I know, I know they all beat them previous to that, but they ha- they have a, have been sort of you know competitive in parts. I think, I think again, like a bit like the Raw this season and a couple of the other teams are sort of near the bottom. It's just the inconsistency. But when they when they fall apart, they fall apart. I'm going to disagree with you on that. They're one win from twenty odd games this season. I don't think people are being harsh enough on them. And when we get to they're like a discipline later on. I'll get even more harsh with them. Yeah. That one win from 20 games says it all. Yeah, and it's not like the soccer is, you know, the World Cup where you had the honourable losses or anything. There's been yeah. a lot of... I think what you're seeing is, like, those teams at the bottom, Brisbane, Mariners, yeah. Wanderers, they're all the teams that can't put together a good 90-minute yeah. performance. Yeah. But this was... Like, even yeah. then, if you, it wasn't all sunshine and roses for the Roar as well. They did give up three goals. Yeah. yeah. They did, and we, last point on the Mariners, that they, they've had a lot of honourable losses for the last couple of years, but this was the year they were meant to take that step for becoming competitive, maybe pushing for the top six. It's time for people to start being more critical. I don't, I don't, I don't, th- do last I don't think there's anything in, in the A League with ten teams when you see when you play each other three times a season. I, I don't think it's such a thing as honourable loss. I think, you know, I know that you know Perth are you know eight points ahead of the had the pack, you know, in first against tenth place, but I don't think there are any honourable losses. I think it's just a case of, you know, what the teams at the bottom are not consistent enough to to perform. The top teams are consistent, and, and that's the end of it. I, I think that the honourable loss doesn't enter into the equation in in the A League anyway. But even the teams at the top, uh, you take a look at Sydney, uh, Melbourne victory and whatnot. They're both struggling as well right now. Like Sydney just had their first win in four games on the weekend. The victory, okay, that draw probably felt like a win on Saturday night, but yeah, I'm, I'm suppose what I'm trying to say is over the course of the season, everyone's going to have peaks and valleys. It's just the Mariners have been stuck in the valley. What we're going to do now, actually, though, is hear from Darren Davies and his thoughts on the match. Interesting first 25 minutes or so, they had you under, under the pump a little bit, and then you sort of hit your straps, that goal from Eric sort of really turned it around. Yeah, I thought we were, yeah, sorry, I thought we were brilliant. I thought we were fantastic. I thought, um, the goals we scored were were top draw, you know. And um, I just said outside, we're good for entertainment, <laughs> you know. Whether we're uh, scoring last minute winners, last minute, you know, equalizers, conceding last minute, and now you know we score we score five away from home. And when you come to a, a difficult place, because they've picked up results against top teams here, and we come away from home and score five goals, thoroughly deserve the win. And I'm 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 over the moon. I'm over the moon for the boys in there. They come down, they've worked hard. Of course, you know, Central Coast are scrapping for their lives. So, of course, it's going to be tough. Of course, it's going to be a battle. But then, when we had the ball, our quality was good. We scored some fantastic goals. And, um, yeah, as I say, we spoke about half-time at 3-2. We spoke about discipline and with the ball, without the ball, and with our actions. And um, and I thought the boys did that. I thought we learned from Adelaide away, and um, the boys did that this evening. You must have been turning your hair out, but you know you, you score those couple of goals and then you, you let them back in, especially when right on half, half time. That's right. I think that might be the uh, that might be the key message in next week for sure. Um, but as you say, well, you know when we score goals, you know it's um, disappointing to go straight down the other end and and concede. Um, and we spoke about it at half time. Um, but as I say, in the second half we were disciplined. With the ball, without the ball, I thought we controlled large, large portions of the second half. Um, I thought that um, 
Central Coast were obviously slinging some long balls into the box, into into Simon, and that, that causes problems to any team. Um, and I thought we did dealt with that relatively well, apart from the the, the, the set piece goal. Um, and yeah, I thought we controlled the game in the second half, um, and um, just over the moon for, for for the boys, but also everybody in the club. You know, everybody in the club. You know, the the supporters, the staff, everybody. Fantastic. So that was Darren Davies there, and. You know, that's another person you've got to feel really good about because realistically, it's all. I heard this uh, on the Fox Football podcast as well. With everyone leaving at the Roy, he's basically just running the whole club himself. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't actually surprise me if he just decides, you know, final couple of weeks, hey, Mackay, can you just take this? Does anyone actually know? Did he have an assistant on the bench at all? Was there anyone else on the bench? I didn't notice. Well, there were the substitutes. Yeah, but they're not going to—they're not going <laughs> to provide tactical advice other than yeah, put me on, coach. <laughs> there was there was anyone there at all to offer him any coaching support? Because I—you think you'd need somebody to bounce ideas off? I'm sure there were p- plenty of experts in the crowd just behind them. Yeah, yes, I but they're got... Mariners fans. I don't know anything. I don't have to look back at the uh, video. I can see what the raw bench. I didn't even think of that. But um, yeah, because because um, obviously the boys they had uh, MPL on Sunday, so. Maybe uh, Jake Goodship was down there. I, I don't know. I'd have to check the uh, video, see if there actually was any technical stuff other than Darren Davies on the bench. And more on that uh, NPL stuff coming up later. But one battle that was going on all throughout the game was Matt Simon versus the referee. Now, I, well, you know, being a private school boy, I was obviously brought up with ru- a lot of rugby union. And the one thing that continues to amaze me is, is how you have these big, angry, you know, six foot six meatheads in rugby union, they'll and they'll go up, you know, and be as meek as a puppy or something when the referee calls them over because there's actually a line of respect. And then you get Mac, Matt Simon who thinks, you know what, I'm going to say what I want about the referee and not get away with any consequence. Oh, look, I just think um, it's no way for a captain in any sport to behave. Look, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we all, we all, you know, sat here and had pot shots at referees and whatnot. Sean but what, Evans. But, but what, but what Matt Simon did from about the, about the 15th minute on, when he got one bad decision, it was just a constant battle and it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the captain of the club. Yeah, that's like I said, I don't, I don't care if it's how many decisions, they, you know, the, the referees can get judged either way. But for the, the way he behaved was just an utter disgrace. Yeah, look, all I'm going to say is, at what point do you have that brainwave and go, you know what, maybe swearing at the guy, calling him all sorts of names, saying he's completely incompetent, isn't going to really help me out when it comes to getting a 50-50 decision. Well, well with Matt Simon, he might not have a brain, because he said something similar before, I'm led to believe. But let's go right back to the incident, like the 15th, 20th minute. It was an innocuous foul between him and Tongik on the halfway line. And Matt, yeah, it probably was a foul, but the referee let it go. It's not one that's going to require you to scream in the referee's face, which, by the way, he should have been sent off for. And this is why I rally against the lack of discipline, because he's the captain of the club, right? So you think back to Aiden O'Neill gets a, a yellow card in the first half. In the second half, because you see his captain scream at the referee, what does he do? He screams at the referee gets sent off, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is lack of discipline throughout that football club. And as a leader, that's completely unacceptable. And I'm I'm actually wishing the referee sent Matt Simon off, because how many, how many kids watched that on Friday night and are going to start thinking... It's okay now for me to go and scream at a referee in junior, in their junior games on Saturday morning. You just, it, you just can't do that. I would just. It's a lack of discipline, and and Mulvey's comments after the game were a disgrace as well. I've got two things to say on that. First, first of all, it was nice to see you know a couple of cards for discipline, and second of all, I'm just, yeah. I, it, 
I just wonder, you know, the International Referees Board or whoever grades these guys, back them, back them up a little yeah. bit. You know, if the referees are going to start yeah. carding, you know, when you've got five players around me, give them one warning yeah. and say, all right, guys, you know, you're off, like, back away yeah. or you get starting to get booked. Oh. And if, you know, maybe even take I'm a... I'm actually glad the FFA have come down on Matt Simon and given him a, a, a charge in addition to his red card because they didn't actually have to because the referee dealt with it. He dealt with it. He gave him a yellow card for on the field, field, so they didn't have to, but they decided no. That's a that's a bad look, and we're going to it's give actually, you an extra point for it. It was actually a code should. of conduct uh, charge. It wasn't. It was outside the realms yeah. of the normal sort of you know the MRP, and they, it was actually a code of conduct charge. So at least the FFA are getting serious on that. But I guess the point is as well is that you know it's funny that you know the likes of you know the Fox Sports commentators you know spent the week you know trying to defend you know Matt Simon and saying oh what a good bloke he is and all that he does the community. Yeah, look, I agree. He's probably off the, off the pitch. Yeah. He's probably a great guy. Yeah. But you know what? The problem is the people, the fans do not see what yeah. he does in the every hour but the two hours that he that he, he plays football. And, and that's what he's going to be judged on. Yeah. That, 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 that disgraceful and simple performance from a supposed leader yeah. of the club. And look, that's a, that's a much, much longer debate that I don't really yeah. want to get into right yeah. now. But so just one first, last... No, no. Oh, yeah, for, sorry. First, of, first of all, I... Just want to throw in, like... Thank you, Chad. Yeah, well, I am a host. <laughs> no, I do want to point out mm. that, like, first and foremost, like, don't judge these athletes for what they're like off the pitch because yeah. what you're seeing is, as you said, Adam, like, 95% of the time, mm-hmm. it's what you see on the pitch. So, look, yeah. they may be the nicest person off off the field. Yeah. They might, yep. you know, be a really yeah. bad driver or something off the pitch. Mm. It doesn't matter. Like, judge them first yeah. and foremost for what they do on the pitch. As because an athlete, that's, you judge yeah. what they do on the field, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm... Especially for yeah. people like us, you know, who who you know analyze and, and talk football and all that. And you know what? We, we've we've hardly come across a bad person in football since we've been yeah. involved. You know, sort of you know, you know, sort of with the club and you know and whatnot. Like so going we, to press we all, conferences. And yeah, stuff, we yeah. It? Like I said, the opposition coaches, players, like it. it's it's but it is what is on the field. On the pitch at the time is what we judge players for, and yeah. that's the thing is, there's no point making excuses. Yeah. Say, oh, he's a nice guy off the pitch. Because what's on the pitch is what's being yeah. seen. Yeah, and look, I know, like, I know everyone's got this big desire to try and defend their, you know, defend people who they're friendly with. But at, the, at some point, you got to say, mm-hmm. you know what? Maybe he's a bit of an idiot. Yeah. I think it's two weeks ago when the Raw had a meltdown in the second half. We were more than critical of their yeah. lack of discipline. And yeah, it's nice to be talking yeah. about another team having a lack Absolutely. of discipline. Yeah. <laughs> and again, Central Coast have had this issue all season long. I remember Clear for Cisse getting sent off in ridiculous circumstances mm. after 25 minutes away to Sydney FC, which cost them a game. So this is coming back to cost them repeatedly now. This is why I rail against a lack of discipline in a team, because it costs you, not just in future weeks with suspension, it costs you in games as well. They have to sort that out. It's a big problem for them. They're not going to go anywhere from and, the bottom of the table if they don't sort that out. And, yeah, my final thought on this is quite simply, you know, it's just about, you know, getting along with referees as well. At what point is going up to him and saying, you're a blanking, 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 blanking moron? Mm-hmm. At what point is that going to come back and bite you? And I would say we'll do so in a situation like that. Anyway, bottom line, Raw 1, we're happy. We're going to take a break and come back and talk about the NPL. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, let's talk about some NPL. On the Brisbane Football Review, I suppose we should probably call this the uh, Cooperary Farewell Edition as... We uh, say goodbye to what is a very, very unofficial recording studio and 
should also point out that my wife will be very happy we've got a dedicated space in our new house where she'll still be able to watch TV while we're recording. <laughs> very much looking forward to what I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Anyway, NPL time. So, starting off with uh, what was a fairly one-sided affair on Friday night. and Look, I know we say this every week, but how good is it being able to watch all of these games? Well, I'm glad I didn't bother driving down to Cleveland Showgrounds on Friday night because I would have missed a fantastic game in the alley, which we just talked about. And this game here was just... Because I, I know you were thinking yeah, about I was, going down. I was considering it, and then the weather with the wind and all the rest, I thought, no, I won't. But I'm glad I didn't, because as Eight good nil. as Gold Coast Knights were, Redlands, and I caught a little bit of it on the live stream, but Redlands are just a mess. Yeah, 8-0 Gold Coast Knights over Redlands. Uh, hat-trick for Jaden Prasad, uh, double for Sa- uh, Sam Smith, and what's Brown's first name? Max Brown. Max mm-hmm. Brown. And also, just looking at the scorers we've got listed here, I'm actually surprised Brown didn't get that last penalty that went to Sam Smith to get him the double. Because oh, Brown, so, of course, someone, was on a hat-trick. Someone's got bets on the golden boot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, some, yeah, someone's quite clearly making sure that they're still in the mix come <laughs> end of season. And yeah. let's be honest, I think there's going to be quite a bit of competition for the golden boot. Um, yeah, I think that's all we really need to say about With Redlands, though, they have um, announced Graham Ross as technical director this week. That's a really good sign for them in terms of shoring up that club off the field. They need they need a lot of help, and I think he can help them. So, anyway, Penn Power still yet to drop any points. Yes. Another win this time over Brisbane Strikers at Perry Park. Uh, double for Sam Cronin, who always just seems to be yeah. popping up every week. Which good for him. Yeah. And another uh, Golden Boot contender, I'd say. He, he keeps on uh, scoring, but yeah, look, um, this is actually a very very good game yeah. of football. I think we, Scott and I are both at Perry Park on. Uh, Saturday night. And, I was um, just up the road in the office, yeah. but I hope you guys had a good night. Oh, yeah. we did, actually, yeah. And, um, and look, I think I think definitely Pem Powell looked the um, the genuine article. I think they, they, they found a way to win there. Defensively, they, there's a bit of a concern at the moment about the, the defence, obviously, through injury and sort of, you know, sort of form, sort of waning form a little bit, but they, they still find a way to, to win. I think that, that midfield there is, you know, is holding up. Um, yeah. Especially and uh, yeah, look, I think they're deserved leaders yeah. at the moment. But look, Brisbane Strikers are pretty good as well. This is interesting because both sides are desperately claiming underdog status in this game. Peninsula Power saying this is our biggest test. We're not sure how we're going to go defensively. They're not not Meanwhile, quite Lions sure. Are going, hey, <laughs> and then the Strikers saying, oh, we've only played a couple of the lesser teams so far. We're not sure where we're at coming into the thing. And it was a good game. You're right, but Peninsula put on a very, very similar performance they did against Lions. For about 20 minutes, they were pressured. Mm. And after that, they were able just to overrun them. And Sam Cronin, again, with a couple of goals, it's a, almost a carbon copy of what they did in round one. They're, they have hit the ground running in this competition. And they have winning form for a couple of years now from the BPL into the FQPL. So it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. And that's the one thing that I think is really good to see with um, Penn Power as well, yeah. is how strong they're finishing yeah. these games. Like. Yeah. You could probably like you could have forgiven them for coming out, you know, all guns blazing and whatnot. But I think there's a real maturity about yeah. the way they're going about these games so far. There's also a real youth movement at Prairie Park with the strikers. A lot of young players coming in. They are actually really good coming off the bench. Josh Matcham and um the goal scorer, the goal scorer, and um, Nathan New came off the bench. They were really effective when they came on the last 20 minutes. The strikers actually could have nicked a point, and if they did, you could have said, yeah, they probably deserved that for the way they finished the game off. But it didn't quite happen for them. But they have a lot of good young players that they're bringing through, which is exciting for them. Now, I caught the second half of this next game on the uh, Football Queensland Facebook live stream with Simon commentating, and something about Simon and games with red cards and whatnot, but it was an interesting evening for Cameron Crestani, who scored an absolute classic goal, like we were talking about those in segment one, but fantastic strike for Crestani before he wound up getting sent off. (laughs) What did he get sent off for? It was second yellow. It was a 
it was one of those tackles where you just go, yep. And he did the proper thing as well, where he committed the foul, you know, checked the guy was okay, and then bolted away. <laughs> you know, do, right. doing the pro- doing the proper thing, going, maybe they'll just forget, maybe they'll just forget. And unfortunately they yep. didn't, and Crestani was uh, dismissed. But it was a 3-1 win for Mackay, which, yeah, good for them. That was, Again, another big win. That was their first game in three weeks, wasn't it? Yep. So they, that's, they had, they had yeah. draw in week one, and... Uh, so not experience. another big win then, but another good result. So yeah, they're they're, they're unbeaten at the moment. Um, we have, we have concerns about Western Prod whether they're going to be uh, competitive, you know, this season, you know, especially against the top guys. But but um, Magpies Crusaders, I think they may be one that you, know, you might want to keep an eye on for the next couple of weeks, see yeah. whether they're they're actually where they're at at the moment. It's only two games played so far this season, so it's very very hard to know. But obviously that um, that draw in week one. Against the Gold Coast, was it Gold Knights. Coast Knights? Yeah, yeah, it was. That yeah. looks really good. That, that, that yeah. form line is is really holding up at the moment. So, look, I think they might. We're, I think we're saying that they might be yeah. building something. You know, I believe they did that without their big Aussies now, position Shane McInerney, the centre back, who made his first appearance on Saturday nights, and he looked really good from all reports. So, they might be getting even stronger again. If it's good to see a regional club going so well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you talk about Western Pride. It seems like, by and large. They were in this game. They were just let down by a couple of, I suppose, little areas which, you know, you hope as the season goes along, the season goes yeah. along, they can find a way to iron it out. If I can complete yeah. a sentence. Anyway, uh, Gold Coast United two, Brisbane City one. Uh, goals. Well, yeah, Gold Coast another yeah. win. The only thing I can think about this game was the free kick from Chan Cuba. Yeah. Fantastic free kick, but again, Brisbane City dropping points from the leading position. Happens yeah. all too familiarly, all too often for them in the MPL. They, they've um, been they've been a little disappointing. I think uh, last last couple of weeks that's uh, just two losses in a row for them. Um, they lost they lost a Pen Power uh, two weeks ago, which again in the form may be suggesting that you know Power probably at the, uh, probably the top of the group at the moment. Um, but yeah, look, uh, no, but don't take anything away from Gold Coast. You know, we thought that they might be there and about as well. So so again, early early season, but you know, signs are good for the Gold. For Gold Coast United, and signs maybe not so good for City at the moment. Well, for City though, it's also and Gold Coast. I suppose they're two teams that we all sort of thought would be in that mix for that fourth uh, spot mm, going on. Yeah. And it seemed like it was by and large a relatively even match between two sides that we kind of think are on about the same level. Yeah. So, anyway, moving on, um, Morton Bay two East two um, double from Takwu Sun. I think that's. Close to how you pronounce it. I didn't see a second of this, but that's a really good result for East, given they have a couple of injuries. Oh, not injury suspensions from that clash with potential a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, over on Sunday, I did also manage to catch a little bit of this one uh, after all the goals have been scored. 1-1 draw between Sunshine Coast Fire and Brisbane Raw. That actually was a little bit of a, I'd say, all things considered, a pretty disappointing uh, result for Brisbane. I think, yeah, I, I think it, it, it is. Uh, it, maybe the maybe the conditions didn't suit them. Um, again, with with young players, sometimes you you sort of question, you know, if it gets going, it gets a bit tough. Do they really sort of step up? But look, I, I actually want to give a bit of credit to Sunshine Coast. It's the first time I've actually sat down and watched ninety minutes of theirs for a while because you know, obviously, advertised have been pretty ordinary. But look, I think you know. I think they should be very proud of their effort. I thought they they really sort of um, they look like they wanted it and they, they really sort of you know attacked well and defended well against you know a raw side that you know were the leading scorers in the competition at the time. So to be able to hold them to one goal, um, 
yeah, I think yeah, you know, it's it's a commendable effort. Yeah, you know, whether yeah. that that goes on next week, who knows? But you know, at least that ninety minutes, it's yeah. a good well start. Yeah, as someone who's ripped Sunshine Coast repeatedly, I also have to echo that they they were really impressive in this game. The determination to defend in numbers, to be solid, to, to compact, they were very good. And you're right, if they, this is a starting point for them, all the better. And actually, the results this year, I know they have lost all their games until the weekend. The the losses are more contained than they have been in the past. There's no... 15-1. Yeah, there's whatever. none of that stuff happening this year for them, so that's an improvement for them. One side who had about half of the 15 uh, yeah. goals conceded total was uh, Southwest Queensland, who went down 7-0 to Olympic. I, I watched most of this until the stream crashed middle of the second half. This was absolutely fantastic stuff from Olympic. That front four from them with Uriel Scholl joining Alex Smith, Lofthouse and Chris Lucas, that is going to be destroying teams. They've, so when so basically, so Uriel Scholl came on five minutes into the second half of their first game, and he went off after an hour of this game of last, the last weekend. In that time, they've won 8-1. They scored eight goals in about 90 minutes worth of football and conceded one. They are going to be a lightning front four when they click. Yeah. Look, what, they haven't clicked already? Well, if they have, <laughs> they've got more gears to go, I would assume. It's given to, they've only played two games, so. Look, yeah, um, look, Southwest Queensland Thunder, like they got they got blown off the park, I think it's simple yeah. as that. But I think the story here is more about, I think, Olympic. No, they're, they're, they're ominous at the moment. That, yeah. that, that's, that front four clicks. Mm. No, wow! It's going it's gonna be something to behold. So I think that the story might be more Olympic. Yeah. They're two for two. They've, you know, yeah, you know, they've uh, ten goals already. Yeah. So they're averaging, you know, five goals yeah. a game. So we'll wait. Obviously, wait and yeah. see when they play a, yeah, you know, one of the top teams. But I will also yeah. point out they did this without Matt Mundy and Stephen White. So they have tremendous depth as well. Yeah, just just to show off a little yeah. bit more for Ben Khan there. Yeah. Um, Olympic might actually have a chance to put up another fairly big score when they take on Redlands on Sunday. Oh, no. So we'll be taking oh, no. uh, Scott out at um, Goodwin Park? Probably. No, I'll be somewhere else on Sunday, unfortunately. Yes, you'll be at the Matildas. <laughs> yes. But I just wanted to ask anyway. Yeah. To um, yeah, and every other game this weekend is on Saturday. You've got uh, Southwest Queensland against uh, Magpies Crusaders, Strikers hosting Gold Coast United. Uh, Morton Bay hosting City after a last-minute last change there, which I think was announced about 20 minutes before we started recording. Yeah, yeah we've tried to wonder why that's happened. Um, so if, if anyone knows, uh, feel free to to leave a comment or message us or something, because, yeah, that's a that's a very interesting change. But, yeah, 5 p.m. Walter Park now, that, that game. I hope the pizza oven's okay at uh, Spencer Park. Oh, maybe it blew up. Hopefully the pizza oven at, at Walter Park's good. Mm. Yeah. They have a decent pizza out there at Walter Park. Gold Coast Knights are hosting Sunshine Coast. Easts against Lions, which, oh boy, that could be a good one. The all-orange derby. Yeah. Lions coming for bye, so we will see what they... If they're starting to maybe push forward a little bit Mm. more. And you've got the Raw Youth against Peninsula Power. In a game which should have been a top-of-table clash if the Raw Youth did their job on the weekend. So there's actually quite a a few uh, intriguing games there on Saturday, and we'll be looking forward to keeping track of you guys providing us updates on... Saturday evening from yep. whichever ground you decide yes. to base yourself at. We shall do our best. Yeah, we, we haven't as decided we, yet where we're going. As we all, as you guys always do, a fantastic job with those updates. Thank and you. Keeping me uh, in the loop when I'm stuck in the office. <laughs> uh, anyway, over to NPLW. Lions 2-1 over Western Pride. Gap 5-0 over Mitchelton. Capalabar 6-1 over Sunshine Coast Wanderers. Uh, Souths 1-0 over South... Oh, no, wait, sorry, that's 11-0. It's 11-0. 11. I thought that might have been a typo, but no. No. 11-0. No. <laughs> 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 Gold Coast 2-1 over Brisbane Raw. 
Yeah. Gold Coast United, 2-1 over Brisbane. Yeah, Warriors. I think South of Queensland Thunder might wish it was a typo, but no. The South have started the year on fire, and actually I think they play the gap this weekend, which could be a fantastic game. Unfortunately, I believe it clashes with the Matildas, so that's a great shame for fans of women's football because they would be two of the top teams this oh, year. And what on what on earth are... What on earth are... Um, I think thinking, I was just one yeah, I, I suppose the draw was probably done before the Cup yeah. of Nations. So yeah. Well, that draw was announced back in, I'm pretty sure, December, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, blame yeah, the FFA. It might be a bit harsh to blame Football mm. Queensland for that, but you thought that... Yeah, it's just a shame that one of, the, one of the best games of the season were clashes with the national team playing in Brisbane for the first time in forever. Although that could very well be the uh, match of the round, which will be available on Football Queensland's YouTube. Ooh, we might, might, be able, might be able to stream it from Suncorp. Yeah, why not? What's the worst that can happen? If I was going to stream a game, I would stream that before I streamed Olympic and Redlands, I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I know which game will be more competitive. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But just, uh, just think, so a quick summary as well. Um, uh, Brisbane Raw, NTC went down again, this time to Gold Coast United. I think I think it's clear and sundry that this is not the same side that won the championship last year. I think um, it's, it looks like an all-new group. Um, and I think it's just going to take time uh, to... For them to sort of click, yeah. if if they're going to be sort of you know compatible, but again, as we keep on saying with the raw young sides in the MPL, you just never know because yeah. again, their agenda is about performance, not exactly results. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, we've got round three. Yeah, uh, Southwest Queensland versus Western Pride, East against Lions, Logan versus Capalaba, and the Raw NTC against Morton Bay on Saturday, and as already mentioned, South versus the Gap on Sunday, and Sunshine Coast Wanderers against Gold Coast United. So yes. Yeah. Um, got FQPL starting up this weekend as well. You've got... It's back. Yes. Uh, you've got Southside Eagles against Ipswich Knights, Rochelle versus Souths, Logan versus Capalaba, and Mitchelson versus Holland Park on Saturday. Excuse me. That's just yeah. lunch coming back. Uh, and Sunday you've got Sunshine Coast against Wolves. So so they've, yeah. they've sorted out the draw because I know... Um, well, we know they're playing this Saturday. They're playing this weekend. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say... we. With the uh, FQPL, because um, oh, yes, obviously with Wide Bay, Bay Buccaneers um, withdrawing a couple of weeks ago, and look, I just to, I know we, we sort of skipped over it. I think we had a run sheet maybe two weeks ago, but look, I think I think the important thing is that there's been a lot of, sort of conjecture and talk about the whole so sort of with them withdrawing. But I think yeah, what it's, I think it might be the right thing. I think it's I think last season it was was quite almost embarrassing to a point that you know the results that were getting put up there and at least they're at least keeping their juniors in I think yeah. it's a case of you know they try to all do it in one year and, and try and sort of have the seniors play and they'll guess getting absolutely flogged every week but at least the juniors now will have a chance to sort of you know stay within maybe in a few years time that you know it might be rather than the club just folding and disappearing at yeah. least that's that's sort of you know the important thing is that it's still focusing on your junior development but uh, it's a shame you know but at least it's ten teams now, and it looks like it looks a very even um, yeah. competition. That's what I was going to say. It'll be interesting because take out the top two teams from last year, third place finished on forty six points, and sixth place finished on forty. So if there were four teams between six points there, and they'll all be there this year, so it could be between Logan South, Sunshine Coast Wanderers, and Rosedale Rovers, and you can't rule out Capella Bar either, who's yeah. strengthened mightily in the off season. So there's it's going to be some interesting competition this year to see which two teams will be promoted to the MPL next year. There we go. All right, uh, we'll take a bit of a break and then come back with news and Cup of Nations. What do you say? Okay. All right, we'll be back right after this. That's right, I'm the host. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. 
All right, let's get into segment three of the Brisbane Football Review here in episode... Actually, it's episode 99. We probably should also mention that as well. So next week will be number 100 for us. So send your cards to someone else. (laughs) Anyway. We we plan anything for our 100th? Yeah, saying it's our 100th episode. Cool. You know, really, really... Uh, At this point, the plans are to turn up and and talk. Yeah. Just like the other 98 episodes so far. Yeah. They're the, really complex plans we've got going here. I think we did quite well considering many people had the over-under set at about ten and a half episodes. <laughs> and actually, it could have almost been ten and a half with the way that studio uh, mm. almost blew up, I think, for episode ten. <laughs> anyway. And no, that was not my fault. I didn't blow up that studio. No, we blame Socceroos for that. Yeah. It, it made us all hot and bothered under the collar. It's uh, a story you're sticking to it. Exactly. We're going to also (laughs) stick with this story of Drew Sherman departing as Raw Academy director and Martin Bullock will act as the interim. So this kind of came out of the blue, didn't it? It did. He just handed his resignation. And you have to think for him, it's probably mission mission accomplished, right? He launched the Raw Academy. It's now in its second year. It's up and running. It's it's functioning quite well from all reports. And he got the added bonus of coaching aside to the Wiley Grand Final. And who knows where he's off to in... Now, but for him, it's probably mission accomplished. Yeah, look, obviously the, the conjecture was, oh, another one out the door. What's mm. going on at uh, what's going on at at the raw? You know, another another you know person gone. But yeah, but look, I agree with you, Scott. I think I think it's a case of you know this is not a case of oh he's he's often yeah. departed you know and he's he's leaving for whatever reason. I think it's more of a case of he um, yeah, like I said, mission accomplished. My my tip is that I reckon he may be off to you know. I reckon Western Melbourne. I think he'll be a great asset, you know, establishing their academy. So, so I think. Well, yeah. wherever he's going, he's done a terrific job setting up the Raw Academy. And yeah, look, yeah. You know, who knows what sort of young players will come out of there? But it looks really good for the future. So yeah, no, look, wish wish him well. Yeah, there were no, there were no, I suppose. There'll be no shortage of jobs for Drew Sherman going forward because of yeah. what he's been able to do, getting the Raw Academy up yeah. and running, and his success. Uh, coaching the Y League side, and yeah. I got to admit, I actually wouldn't be all that surprised if he decided to possibly even look overseas. Because, like, think of the number of places he could go. Like, you know, there would be probably academies in the US yeah. that would love to yeah. bring in someone with that sort of view. And look, on a personal note, he was always yeah. like a lot of the people, good to us. And yeah. uh, you know, when we'd ask him questions in the press conference, he'd answer that. And the next three we had planned. <laughs> before. <laughs> he He's also has coached a fair bit of. I've been around the place. This came from the Cook Islands. Obviously worked at Southampton as well, so he's been around a lot of different environments. So maybe you're right; he is heading to somewhere else. He had, he had an impressive resume coming into the Raw. I think you know establishing the Raw Academy, winning that youth league title. I think it's you know there's just further addition. So, you know, as I said, you know, good luck to him. That's right, and presumably there'll be uh, more developments on that to come when the structure of the club gets, uh, I sp- yeah. well, structure of the A League side of the club gets confirmed. Uh, and Alex Lopez is actually calling for a bit of clarity on the coaching situation, and that's probably the, I suppose, the first domino that needs to fall before a lot of these other things get in place. Absolutely. There's a lot of players out of contract probably looking around their futures. Alex Lopez is one of them. None of it's going to be decided until the coach comes in and they understand who who the coach wants to keep. So the sooner they can get that done, the better. I actually thought it might happen this week, given the fact they don't have a game at the weekend. Have two weeks building up. Well, they still up. could. It's only Wednesday. Yeah, having two weeks to build up with a new coach, get... Gives that coach time to get to know his players. They can promote as a whole. The new the new Brisbane Raw starts now. All the rest of it. So, 
I thought that might have happened already, to be honest. But that's why I'm a little. That's why I was a little bit surprised. Like I know it's going back a couple of weeks, but why you know a Ruin Tongik would sign with Brisbane, short of just at least having the ability to play a few games. Yeah. I think I think with Ruin Tongik and uh, to a lesser extent uh, Charles Lockalingoy, who hasn't hasn't sort of played in, logged in minutes yet for the Raw, but I think it might be just a case of like the getting no time at and I club. They may actually be thinking, well, they're taking the chances. If they if they perform well. They might get more opportunities. They might get that bigger contract, you know, when the new coach comes. So it's sort of, you know, nothing to lose almost. But I will say that, you know, we're just from uh, segment one. I thought Ruin Tongok was brilliant against uh, Central Coast on Friday night, and I think yeah, he's like I know we've been we've been we've been sort of pushing for a while, hoping that he signed for the Raw, and as one sort of, you know, the big talents, you know, talented centre backs in the league, yeah. and you know, and there, yeah, look, he's actually performing. Yeah. I don't think there's any questioning Tongik's yeah. talent, and he could actually find himself yeah. uh, getting joined by a familiar face with Bart, Bart Schenkenveld reportedly linked uh, to the Raw, along with Sydney, Newcastle, and Western United? Yeah, it's I, Western yeah. United, yeah. I think you can cross Newcastle out from that list as well, because they have just re-signed Nikolai Topol Stanley in the last week well, for two we years, so they may probably don't need another centre-back, so maybe it is... Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne City, and Western United. And that was SBS, I believe, that had that story. I think it was a SBS story, yep. Yeah. Just just referencing yeah. where it came from. Yeah, and I, he would be a fantastic addition for the for the Raw. You talk about a leader at the back. He's been a pretty good defender for the for Melbourne City in his time here. He would help shore things up and as a partner for Tongik or, or whoever or else you're going to bring through. Yeah. And if you want, whoever you want, he'd be a fantastic partner. It's funny, he actually started as a um, as a fullback, you know, when he came to from when he was he came from Holland as well. So the fact that he's actually transitioned to be, you know, a centre That's back. Right. Yeah, he. I can't remember if it was left or right side, but I know he was. He definitely was a fullback when. I'd say you know, left side. He Europe. plays left centre back. I'm pretty sure it was on the left though, because if I remember correctly, uh, was his debut that. Start of last season when the Raw played City in the opener, yeah. and he was yes, yeah, played on the left yeah. to accommodate Mikel Jakobsen. Highly possible, yeah. yeah. I remember all sorts of weird stuff. So. <laughs> just, but just the other thing about Schenkerveld as well is that you know reportedly he was he's been chasing marquee money, which you probably won't get from City given you know all their investments, even though they somehow uh, yeah. frozen out a marquee, but that's that's another story. But I just don't know whether you know, people would sort of stump the fact that you know that they. To pay a centre back, you know, marquee money, whether whether they'd be happy yeah. with that. But I, I yeah. personally, personally, I think you know what if Bart Schenkerveld's available, given the Raw's woes at the back, give him what he wants within reason. Yeah. yeah, I think he would certainly be a massive improvement for the Raw, and they should certainly look at it. And you got to think for the Raw with marquees, they don't go out and sign the big name players like Ola Toivonen and and Lafonda or all the rest. They don't go down that path. They go for the just next path down from that. And Schenkerveld would fit in with that, as would. The guy you're referring to from Melbourne City who got released yesterday, Bruno Mr. Fornaroli. Mr. Fornaroli, he would who be a fantastic addition. can't sign addition. with the club this season, though. No. no. Yeah, well, I'm actually coming around to the idea of, with the Raw's stocks at the moment, I'm not sure that I want them to sign two attackers, uh, like you said, yeah. two marquee spots on attackers. No. I'd much rather see them bring in, you know, a figurehead centre forward yeah. or a key playmaker or just somebody who can Think take charge of that forward line yeah. and then also... Uh, you know, bringing in a centre back or a defensive midfielder to possibly replace Thomas Christensen. Yeah. There you, then you've got a leader at the front of the park. You've got a leader at the back. You've also got Jamie yeah. Young there as well. And all, all of a sudden, that's a pretty yeah. solid starting. Fornaroli is probably joining Perth, but he would be a fantastic get for the Raw because he's also at the experienced end, and his style is very similar to Wenzel Hall's. They're both fighters. They're both that sort of style of play. They, he could really help 
Dylan Wenzel Halls as well. If they were, were to bring him in, it's probably a long shot, but I'd be I'd be really interested to see how that panned out. Yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I, I'm pretty big on you know Bart Shankerveld if, if somehow the Raw could could sign him now, and I'd say you know what, within reason, obviously you don't don't give away the whole the whole you know station. Don't give for him it. the detail. Yeah, the Logan training facility. Yeah, but you know, like I said, if, if it's if it's a reasonable deal, and he's chasing Marquee May. I know he's a centre back, and that's not fashionable. But again, I think a lot of people, a lot of fans, will agree that that's where the Raw have yeah. gone wrong this season. The Raw also do have a lot of players out of contract, so there is probably room in the salary cap for a major addition. Hmm. You could probably fit Schenkerveld into that if you really had to. You may have to if yeah. you didn't want to make him a marquee player. We were actually trying to work out uh, over the weekend. I think just like in our little uh, yeah. discussion, we've got. Trying to look out roughly how much space the Raw would have, and I reckon they'd have a bit to spend yeah. with. I and think we could say a, a fair bit. Yeah, would be the guesstimate. Just because there's sheer number of players out of contract. Well, what what do we work out? So there's eight players under contract at the moment for next year. Yep. First team players. So take out the two marquees. So you've got 21 spots all up. So you've got 13 players still within the cap, if my yeah. maths is correct. Yep. And Using this is all just speculation. I should clarify that, so please don't hold us to this. But I reckon we, the Raw have still probably got you know two thirds of the cap uh, available. And you'd, and, also, and you'd also hope as well that you know after after winning the youth league that that a number of the, the those players will you know even though they'll be on the minimum would be rewarded you now with with to youth. You know, youth league contracts and uh, and scholarship contracts. So that leaves you know probably you know eight or nine, eight or nine players perhaps you know to to share amongst you know what's it uh, you know, one and a half million dollars in, in salary. So look, you can probably get some decent players in. I'm if, not a decent player, but I'll take that pay rate. Yeah. No, we need improvements. Sorry. I said <laughs> I'm not a decent player. <laughs> need improvements on the field. Yeah, and knowing my luck, I'd wind up getting it's, injured in the it's first make game. For, for whoever the coach is, I think it's going to make it a fascinating offseason yeah. seeing how they sign, because we know that unless they go on a heavy resigning spree, yeah, um, yeah there's going to be some plenty of face at Logan next season. It's the most interesting offseason in relation to player recruitment since 2010. Yep, absolutely. The last time the Raw went through something similar to this. And that's got to be the number one selling point for whoever they do bring in as a new coach, where they've got, I suppose, like they, they can... Go to whoever you know is interested in the job and say, "Hey, look, you've basically got a blank slate to yeah. work with here. Like, you've got a couple of players like Jamie Young and whatnot who yeah. you know, like, you want to yeah. keep it yeah. as important." Parts I would, I wouldn't think any new coach coming why they, they would have any issue with with it, say yeah. Jamie Young or you know giving Dylan Windsor Halls a two year deal. You know, he, he's you know, clearly probably one of the best young players yeah. in the league at the moment and you know I, I think that the, those ones are overhanging like you, sometimes as you've seen with other clubs a new coach comes in and he's stuck with a bunch of players that you know, he really doesn't want if Marcus uh, Babel is listening to yeah. this he's just sitting here nodding going yes I know all about having to carry yeah. the dead weight <laughs> yeah. anyway uh, we should probably talk about the football that's going on in Brisbane this weekend the big game and that's the Cup of Nations for yes. the Matildas it's the first uh, I suppose series of matches for the Ante Milicic era. It starts Thursday at Leichhardt Oval. That's actually been uh, moved from Cogra. Cogra, mm. yeah. Uh, and the Matildas play New Zealand after Korea takes on Argentina Thursday. I think that starts at four thirty Brisbane time. Yep. Uh, the squad was named last Thursday, so thank you for waiting until after we'd recorded last week for that. Uh, as you've probably seen, Mackenzie Arnold, Claire Polkinghorne, and Haley Rasso from uh, Brisbane Raw W League side. Alira Toby is training with the side as well this week. And was, well, until was. yesterday. She was in the first part of the training camp up here. And I think something that we all felt was 
you know, a little bit hard done by, but Jenna McCormack uh, has been sent back to AFLW because there was apparently no room for her in this side. Yeah, I, it's not a... I, I don't know what she did to miss out. I think I think she's, she's incredibly unlucky. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's... Like, if, if this squad was based sort of on form over yeah. reputation, you know, I thought she was, you know, great, a great chance. But, um, yeah, look, the players are in front of her, you know, I think to a point, I think, you know, I think they're there on incumbency. But, yeah, no, I think uh, Jenna should be, you know, pretty, feel pretty I unfortunate. I agree with that. I think a lot of it's incumbency. I mean, I have no idea who picked this squad. If Milicic picked it or if it was picked on his behalf, but I can't believe Jenna McCormick's not there. Well, I just don't understand why Victory had one of the... I don't think their defence was all that good at all, and they've got two players in there. I know Tegan Allen's had a good year and probably deserves it, but I can't believe there's not a spot for Jenna McCormick. And even when they had a replacement this week, they brought in Amy Harrison, who's a defensive utility. I know yeah. she's got experience, but I can't believe there's not a spot for Jenna McCormick. I think we would all agree, yep. if not the best defender in the league this season, certainly right up there. I think she had a better season than Claire Polkinghorne. Now, Claire Polkinghorne, I think, overall, is a better player than yeah. McCormick, but... Yeah, if you if you're rewarding it on fullest and latest form, then you're yeah. absolutely right. I don't yeah. see how McCormick couldn't. I got I got a feeling that yeah, incumb, incumbency might have actually come into it more yeah. than more than. I wouldn't that. have dropped yeah. Polkinghorn from McCormick though. That's no. just no. <laughs> I just realised how that might have sounded. I will also say the, <laughs> yeah, you got run out of town for that. that that's the uh, ESPN uh, first take yeah. argument to get noticed. Yeah. Okay, Max Kellerman. But look, yeah. in all seriousness, I can't remember the name of the Sydney FC defender who partners Alana Kennedy. She also had an excellent year. Uh, Elizabeth Rolston. Elizabeth Rolston. She also missed out. I think both McCormick and Rolston are very, very considered very unlucky not to be there. Yep, that's right. And I'll be moving house this weekend, but you two will be at Sun, uh, Suncorp Stadium on Sunday yes. evening. So, yeah, that's going to be a... First national team game for the Matildas in Brisbane since 2014. That's not bad. Yeah, so. no, it's it's gonna gonna be gonna be fun. We'll be in the box, so so in, enjoy the view. Yeah, but just 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 overall on the um on the Cup of Nations, I just want to sort of sort of state this is that you know I think with all the drama's going on with Alan Stadich and all that, I still think this Matilda side needs to perform, and I think if. If they start losing games to the likes of New Zealand, you know, Korea, Argentina, with all due respect to them, I think it's on the players. I think, you know, at some point, with all this drama surrounded, you know, Stadich and Saki and all that, the players have got to step up because, you know, this is this this squad isn't too far removed from the squad that was doing well. Yeah. So, obviously, they need to, you know, put it behind them you know, and, and perform. Now, they, they, they should be winning this yeah. tournament. I think they're going to. I think they're going to respond. Yeah. Given everything that's been said about them, cultural issues, yep. coaching change, all the rest, I think they're just going to say, you know what, it's time to play. And I think they will. And I think and that I think that will be the best response to all this nonsense that's going on. If the if if the side comes out firing, they win this tournament, you know, yeah. as they should. Then you know what, this whole this whole thing about you know drama with Alan Stadge and all that, I think that's going to be pushed to the background. Yeah. And as a player as well, like they've announced Sam Kerr as the captain this morning as well. Dual captain, wasn't it, with Steph Catley? No, Catley's uh, vice captain. Oh, okay, yeah, wow. So, so, like, if you want a player that just like will go yeah. for that attitude of screw it, let's just play. Yep. Like, Kerr's one of those ones you just you put up there and say, yep, that's fine. Best player, leader, let's just see how it goes. Just speaking of Sam Kerr, you know, congratulations to her being part of that, um, that big Nike ad. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some very, very big big names in, in world in uh, world women's sport that are in that ad. So for her to be part of that, I think that's a big deal. I'm not sure she'll be uh, playing for a club that wears Nike in about six months or so. I think she might be in an Adidas or maybe... Uh, Oh no, Arsenal are signing with Adidas as well, so 
I could see. Okay, a, okay. Cool. I could see uh, making a move over to Europe. That's I that's think, more the point that I was trying I to get at. I think it wouldn't be all surprised if she does go over to Europe Who, and play. Who's uh, who's Olympic Lyon's um, kid sponsor? Sure. I reckon that's where I reckon they could be added us as well. Actually, no, nah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like that. I don't, I don't watch Ligue 1 or the women's equivalent, so I don't know. Well, uh, well actually, just. Yeah. What we're talking about, always like the uh, so, uh, sponsorship dilemma that um, Nike and Adidas had in La Liga for all those years. He had the Nike, you had the Nike athlete Ronaldo playing for the Adidas sponsored <laughs> yes. yes, and you had the Adidas sponsored athlete Messi pa- playing for the Nike sponsored side in Barcelona. So, yeah, yeah, you you would have like a manufacturer trade there, couldn't you? You would have oh, thought yeah. so. Yeah, there were, I remember like one of those sites doing a joke article saying, you know, oh, they should. Nike and Adidas should pay the other transfer fees. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'd say back to the Cup of Nations. I think, look, I still think the Matildas are a chance to win the World Cup. I wouldn't have them as favourites, but they get they get off to a uh, they win all three games here. Then you know they're right back on track, and you would have to hope that I suppose having a coach coming in and saying, "All right, let's just play," yeah. that's the right attitude to take into this. It is absolutely, and more importantly for the Matildas, other than this tournament, which they should win, is the game next month against the United States. That, that that's will. the one that will show where they're at oh, compared yeah. to the the top global standard in the women's game. I think it's, I think it'll be so. That's almost one of the biggest. It'll be one of the biggest games that Matildas been in. So this, especially yeah. this, you know, quote golden generation. Yeah. I think that will really. Um, I think it's the the sort of, the momentum started with their win against um, against the USA in yeah. tournament nations. You know, two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think this is we're going to see where they're at. You know, coming to a World Cup. And it's especially yeah. as well where the USA are at. Because I think they'd be yeah. deserved favourites to walk up. They are on a two-game unbeaten run against the United States. If they can make that three even with a draw, that's a huge result. Certainly. All right, now, um, we haven't actually got a game to preview in segment uh, four right now. So what we're going to do is actually scrap segment four. Oh, good. And just extend segment three for a little bit longer. So we're going to keep talking. And we put out a question. we put out a request for questions from people and... Uh, we'll start off with what we got from Stephen. He sent in uh, three questions over email. Um, actually, that's where we got most of our response, but we'll get to that later. Uh, of all the names linked to the club, who's the best candidate for the coaching? Ooh, sorry, who has been linked to it? So we're talking Sven about Joran Eriksson is probably Sven the biggest Eriksson, name. Um, Robbie Fowler. Aurelio Vidmar, Marco Kurz. Even Ante Milicic, I the, think, was mentioned yeah, at one point. The two guys from the MPL. Ben Khan, Warren Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who was the coach of India at the Cup of... At Stephen the, Constantine. Steve, that's the other one. I'd probably go with Ben Khan, to be honest with you. It's crazy that might Best be... candidate? I think so. His okay. teams play attacking football. That's clearly what the Raw want. He's an analytical guy. He's a coach who has shown an ability to change things up on the fly, go with different things, different systems, different different tactics in the games that work. I I would give him the job out of those candidates, given that. Look, for me, I actually would w- want to see a more sort of a more experienced coach. So, look, maybe maybe someone like a Stephen Constantine, um, you know, even sort of more looking more locally, you know, and dare I say it, you know, a an Aurelio Vidmar, you know, might be a good fit for for the sort of you know, the present time. I think you know the raw at the moment they've, they've sort of lurched through. You know, I wouldn't I personally wouldn't call it crisis, but I think if you speak to the fans, you think that yeah, it's been a bad season. It's going to be probably the probably the worst season at least in you know eight years. So I think 
I think to have an experienced head to at least go out for the next one to two years just to get get them back on track, start that rebuilding process, I think might be sort of the more prudent approach. But you know what? I wouldn't say no to Ben Khan. Yeah. Let's see. Who's working at Fox Sports at the moment that's an option? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, best candidate, Arsene Wenger, who was linked to the club by me. <laughs> so, t- so he has been in no way whatsoever actually linked so to the club. So you're doing the Wenger in, are you? Well, yeah. After spending the last two, three years going Wenger out. Does that mean we need to call those fools at Arsenal TV or AFTV, whatever it is, and get them to come over here with the Wenger out campaign? Hey, if we can get the, if we can get a video person to come and help us out with fan cams, I'll I'll be back there at the Wild <laughs> Statue with the Wenger out at the first game. No, actually, wait yeah, till just, the second game. Actually, no, I know exactly. I know there's a couple of Arsenal fans that uh, were fan cam regulars for us, mm-hmm. who I'm sure would love to come and just go Wenger out. I can imagine. Mostly because I'm pretty sure they did that last year on fan cams. <laughs> Probably as well. did happen, to be fair. Um, yeah, best candidate. <sighs> it's I, tough because you don't know too much about some of the overseas options and whether they they're truly interested or if they were just saying it when to get the, their name out. When there. the Asian Cup, it's, like, it's like Robbie Williams licking himself to the James Bond role yeah. just because he wanted to get the publicity. Yeah. It really has gone. It's sort of really gone behind closed doors ever yeah. since. Um, Ever since David Pure and uh, Pedro Dinovic went to Jakarta, it really has gone quiet on their front. And you know, I think I'm sure that they're looking candidates, and there's reports of you know there's a hundred candidates with a you know 99, not to say 99, but 90 of them were you know even legit, which you know is another thing. But uh, yeah, it's we haven't really heard much, especially yeah. especially since I got back from Europe. Um, yeah, I haven't heard much about the Royal Coach job other than you know, Darren Davies. Is no, he's, running, he's still running the show and, yeah. One of the other candidates, I forget his name. Who's the assistant coach at Western Melbourne? John Anastiatis. And that's it, Anastasia. He was linked to the job as well, but he's obviously out of the frame now. And Arthur Pappas working as Postacoglu's assistant over in Japan, who, by the way, there was a video mm. making the rounds on Saturday of uh, Yokohama with a fantastic team goal as well. Yes. So. <laughs> ah, the good old days. Well, I, was it Raw so Yahama? <laughs> something. Yahama Salona? Yeah, something oh, like that. Yahama No. Let's not give our Japanese listeners <laughs> any ideas. Just send them Robbie Slater. Just send them Robbie Slater and uh, he'll be out of a job in a month. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to block you on Twitter for that. Uh, That's all right. Um, He's yeah. on Twitter. I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a few interesting names there. Uh, second question. Was the Aloisi era a success? I would say no. This is fine margins. I don't think it was dreadful. Yeah. But, like, because there were two... I'd say there were two seasons that were good and one and uh, a half seasons that were pretty bad. Oh, this, this is a tough one. Um, look, I'm going to say no. I It's, like, if it was grading it, it's like an E+. Plus. Yeah. I mean, because I think it probably went along probably one season too many. You know, when it comes when when you look at it now back in hindsight, you know, the first two seasons are good, but I think um, the deficiency in John Aloisi's style is that when he pretty much got control of the squad, he reeled the recruiting side of it was not very good. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether it's yeah you know, whether he was making all the decisions or he was just rubber stamp from what you know his various uh, football directors and assistants and scouting have been telling him. But yeah. The proof in the pudding is not great as far as the recruiting goes. Very unlucky with injury as well. So I wouldn't say it's a total catastrophe of failure. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, the it's, fact that the raw, is, the raw is in the position it's it in is at the moment. It is margins because he was one game away from a premiership there, which I mean, they probably yeah. should have won. He was a game and away it, from yeah, a grand final twice. They were 3-0 up in a semi-final, which they couldn't close either. So it's fine margins, but I would 
tend to agree with you. Just on the fact that there was no silver at the end of it, you'd have to say no. But the first 18 months of it were was very good, actually. And then, obviously, the Champions League came in the second season. Then from there, just sort of dipped away. But I can, it's I can kind s- of very similar to the Frank Farina reign when you think about it. A couple of years close, but not yeah. quite there. And then some question marks at the end of the I can see why, the, why the late Mark Kingsman you know, and the club, sort of, you know, they, they gave him that extension because it, it looked promising. Yeah. But I think as time wore on, you know, I think, again, sort of poor recruiting. Um, and I guess sort of, you know, not... It's it's hard to sort of it was hard it was it was very predictable to a point you know the way the way the attack was structured you know as far as it's almost you know, bomb the target man you know there wasn't sort of that that variety you know that that change up especially within within games you know and and sort of I think almost even struggling to find a sort of a philosophy as a side you know, in mm-hmm. formation the way they they play the game I think I think yeah and I think at the end of the day yeah. it's where I know we've got one last. We should also point out he did take over in very difficult circumstances yeah. as well. So what he did achieve in that first year with everything going on, essentially that is with a, one hand tied behind. That his is back. a fantastic achievement which you can't take away from him. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of recency bias saying that you know it's the worst era ever, and you know a lot of people love the hyperbole and dramatizing everything. But... Interesting to see how it actually does compare win loss ratio to Frank Farina. I yeah. reckon it'd be closer than people think. Yeah, exactly. And the other question from Stephen, uh, should Matt Mackay play on next year? I'm going to lead off and say, Matt Mackay has been a phenomenal servant of Brisbane Royal Football Club, but I hope they use the next two months to give him a dignified send-off. Matt Mackay has been a fantastic servant for the Brisbane Royal for many years, and if he wants to play on next year in the squad, he's more than welcome. I I agree. Him, Both him and Enrique, I think they're, they're club legends. Um, they should go out on their terms, but I also do hope that they think about the club yeah. More than just their own career and yeah. their own pay packet, I think that's that's the that's the important thing. But I think they get they should get to choose, and you hope it doesn't be a situation where they get pushed out the door because I think they deserve better than that. Yeah, yeah I honestly, I, I I'm going to sound like I haven't got yeah. room for uh, sentimentality, which probably has happened because I've been throwing out a lot of stuff this past week. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having no sentiment in football. Plenty of teams have been successful with that. Yeah, exactly, and I think. If you are wanting to start a new era of uh, the Raw A-League side, I think that's what you need to say. Uh, Mackay, thank you, but yeah. It, it, like We've had a fantastic time, yep. but that game against Adelaide on April 25th oh. is going to be also Anzac Day, I know that, but yep. for those two hours at Suncorp Stadium, it's going to be Matt Mackay Day. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to agree with you on that, that yeah, that, that does shape up that Anzac Day clash could be a really big game, not only because of the occasion, but from a football sense about it. We may be saying goodbye yeah. to a couple of our... Uh, and if, yeah, cover the, the, cover yeah. the spare bays with, yep. you know, pictures of Matt Mackay throughout his career. Decorate the stadium with Matt Mackay banners. Have, you know, every... Have the numbers yep. 15 and 17 hanging from yep. just about everywhere you can, but, yeah. Even if he is, you would imagine he would be very quickly added to the Royal Hall of Fame as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. You would imagine mm-hmm. that would happen at the awards night, but anyway... Yeah, exactly. Now, there is one last thing that we do need to touch on, which Scott's been just waving around as well. And <laughs> I want to... Maybe we hold this... Like, we'll touch on it briefly now, yep. but we can probably get into it a little bit more detail next week when we've had a bit more time to digest it. But mm-hmm. uh, the AF... Australian Federation of Professional Football Clubs or something like that? Yeah, eight. Association of Professional the Football APFCA. Club. Association of Professional Football Clubs of Australia. Yep. Uh, it's released their recommendations for an independent A-League model. I think overall... Some parts not too crazy, others I'm not quite sure where they got it from, but 
I'm not one to judge. Actually, yes, I am. Scott, tell us about it. Well, it's very interesting because they say they want to take over immediately for the start of the next season, which makes sense. They want to take over the A-League, the W-League, and the Y-League with, with um, expansion of the W-League being what they say, quote, the uh, matter of priority. So they say it has to be done immediately. They want the A-League clubs that do not have a W-League team to have them immediately. So they say that's a matter of importance for them. The thing I found interesting was they talk about um, young players in this a few times, and they say they want to expand the bench out from five to seven with two players of age under 23 or younger. To me, that's tokenism. Yep. You want you want young players involved, yes, but they want you want them to play. Or if they're just going to sit there on the end of the bench, and then what's the point of that? Because then you're taking them out of the Y League, which is short as it is. They're sitting on the bench in the A League and not playing. It could, it could lead to them playing less football. And I hate quotas. I yeah, simply, I yeah. hate quotas. I hate it in life, and I hate it in football. I think, you know what? You pick your best, yeah. you, know, you know, be it 16, 18 yeah. that's available. Like, have, and, and invariably with the way the A-League is right now, the, the yeah. thing, you're going to have players on 23. So there's no need to mandate that. I know we're going to do it more next week, so I'll just read mm, this one thing. Yeah. So this is recommendation eight from them. The APSCA recommends an expansion of the limit of allowable substitutes in the A-League matches from five to seven with these additional two spots on the bench to be reserved for Australian players aged 23 or younger. Yeah, well, that's one of those... One of which will probably be a backup keeper in a lot of clubs. Uh, and the other thing also, like when they... Uh, when the... Yeah. Uh, what's the AFCA? Or it's the second division. The um, Robbie Cram one. Yeah, AFC. Yeah, yeah, when they said that uh, they wanted, what, uh, 20... Like a certain number of players yeah. under 25 like on the pitch at any one time. That just screams social Sunday yeah. league. Like, so I'm... Yeah. I'm they do have some other good points. One, though, they raised um, about the idea of five visa players. They say not to take it down to four because of the fact that there'll be clubs fighting for too many Australian players with more expansion. They would need to get quality from elsewhere. I kind of agree with that. I'd the quality the does come from the... The quality is in the visa players in the A-League, but the problem is, for the national team, they're all in the front third. <laughs> so you think about all the clubs in the A-League basically have foreign strikers. We're not developing, developing strikers for the national team. But that's a... FFA problem, not an A-League problem. Certainly. All right, well, look, I think that's going to be a segment for next week for us to talk about. So what we might do, actually, is share the link to that at some point tonight. Okay. Uh, And feel free to leave your thoughts on it as well. Did we share that last night, actually? I don't think we did. No, okay. Um, We'll we'll share that out on our Facebook and Twitter and leave your comments on that as well. And we'll try and give that a bit of time as well because we'll obviously have the Cup of Nations to discuss next week. We'll also have NPL and a raw game to preview against the Wanderers, but we're still probably going to have time to fill because that's what we do. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review and also for our Cooper quote-unquote studio. So <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. Scott, Adam, thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Congratulations, Congratulations, for, not, congratulations for not burning down this studio like you did over at Yoronga. Yeah, well, there's a difference. I don't get a bond back if I burn this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to entering the world of home ownership. So uh, I'll... We'll speak to everyone next week when I'm in a lot more debt. Have a good weekend. Get out and enjoy the football.